You do share yourself openly. You do show your emotions openly. Do you ever regret it? On the show, I cried. I remember Chase was like, oh, he cried, blah, 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 you did this. And then I got Crybaby tattooed on my, on the back of my neck. And it's like, yeah, I cried. Crybaby, lover boy, I'm a cancer. Now what? She's got to do what she's got to do. Are you okay? And I can confront that and then move on. So I think the show did help me do that. Did you and Georgia get to do that too? No. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm just like, I just laugh as a defense mechanism. <laughs> That's my coping mechanism. What are you coping with? So a couple of months ago, I started watching The Perfect Match on Netflix, like millions of other people. And there was one scene in particular that had me overwhelmed with emotions. And if I'm being truly honest, it wasn't exactly the most mature emotional response. <laughs> if you watch the show, you might already guess where I'm going with this, but if you haven't, I'm referring to the clip in which Dom Gabriel sobbed. And I do think that sob is the accurate word here. I was ringing once. So when the episode was done, I had to go back and ask myself, Shan, why did you have that big immature reaction? And when I analyzed it, truth is a part of my response has to do with the smart woman's revenge, the joy the undue joy that we can sometimes experience after watching a man get hurt by a woman who is extremely hot, but very clearly not the kindest individual. But I knew that there was also something more to my reaction, and I wanted to dissect that in particular with the man himself, Dom. So I reached out in the DMs and I asked him if he'd be willing to come on here and talk about not just my, but the world's extremely varied reactions to his extremely public display of pain. What do you say? He said, "Why is it raining?" That's what he said. Why are you laughing, bro? Why are you laughing, dog? <laughs> My honest reaction to this clip of Dom crying was sadness. Like I felt for him. It just shows that their feelings are really in it, and they're genuine with their intentions. To me, when I saw it in real time, was actually sadness. I wasn't sad because he was crying, but it made me sad because of the way that he spoke to himself and about himself. I think it is very attractive when a man is very aware of their emotions and expresses those emotions. However, I was also in a relationship where every time we got into an argument, all he would do is cry. Now that I realized post this relationship that it was a way to manipulate me, and to never being able to get my needs satisfied. It was really more so about him showing these emotions so we didn't have to talk about those certain things. I'm not weirded out or I don't think that men are weak when they cry. It shows that they have the ability to be open. I used to think that I was really attracted to an emotionally expressive man, and that still can be really attractive on a man. It's refreshing, really but I've been hard pressed to find a man that is both emotionally expressive and not led by his emotions, not emotionally reactive per se. I would say that black men in particular are not given space to recognize and express emotions outside of stereotypes related to anger. So to see Dom in touch with himself in that way enough to express it outwardly is a form of representation that a lot of young boys of color and black men may find useful. I generally find it attractive when people model healthy behavior. 
the pressures on black men to be strong and show no quote-unquote femininity feed into stereotypes about black male aggression, which are then dangerous for them. What was interesting for me in reflecting about my feelings around this particular pop culture moment is it's very rare for me to see men in my life cry, especially when it comes to romantic or intimate relationships. I've definitely seen my partner cry, but moreover, like work-related, masculine-related issues. Never seen my dad cry at all, not at his mom's funeral and certainly not over my mom. So I had to ask myself what was coming up for me while I watched this man Dom Boohoo over a boo that he just met a couple of weeks ago. And did I think more of him because he was able to express himself in the face of emotional romantic pain? Did I think less of him? And moreover, why did I have to form an opinion about him at all based on this moment? And these are all questions that I want to take care of on this episode of Lovers and Friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, Lovers and Friends. Uh, I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I say, We often talk about how men have an easier life, but I think at this point we have to also agree that maintaining the identity of a real man is extremely hard. Masculinity is what I would call a wet fish identity because like catching a fish with your bare hands, that shit is hard to do, even harder to hold on to and incredibly easy to lose grip of. And one of the fastest ways to call your capability of holding on to your wet fish into question is to add more slick to the situation, meaning crying. Now it's one thing for a man to even reveal his hurt, pain, and insecurities. It's another to visibly display them in the form of tears. And you actually might recall that we did an entire episode already around male vulnerability with Abin Preach, where we talked about men even just talking about the pain points in their life. Even the whole idea of like, I need you to tell me, that's also, you could definitely see that as a form of control. I got this. They may not even be consciously doing it, but they're accumulating power. You know, to be vulnerable people is to essentially show your weaknesses. To show, like, if I was to think about it in, like, a castle setting, I'm showing you where the walls would break easily if you hit. Yeah. And then I'm so hit if that. you ever want to attack, bitch, you invading easily. And I'm showing you this because I want to show you I trust you. But 100%, flip the tables, you're getting in anytime you want. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. I'm giving you what it takes to hurt me deeply. I love the point that you made in that for a lot of men, being vulnerable can feel like they've cheapened themselves in the same way that women may feel giving up sex too early can cheapen themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because there's plenty of women who can honestly say that they've slept with somebody and it's been used against them afterwards. The idea that they were open with their sexuality. And I think a lot of men can say the same things about their vulnerability. I think it's fantastic that this rhetoric was like, get vulnerable, man, be more vulnerable, yes. get in touch. But people never really explore what happens to men when they do and what are the downsides. Because yeah, listen, when I put out that video, there's so many men sharing stories about how traumatic experiences in their childhood were used against them in a random argument. Highly recommend you listen to that episode. And it's really all about an alternate perspective on men sharing a softer side. This episode is really about showing that softer side. And that is the question I really wanted to pontificate on this episode. And I'm so grateful to be able to do that with Dom himself, as well as with Enjoy the Podcast. So at the top, you saw a clip of a bunch of men reacting to the clip. And later in the episode, they react to the entire interview that I did with Dom. And I think it's a really great listen. And speaking of great listens, at the end of the podcast, I'm popping back into this seat right here to introduce a brand new segment that I think you guys will really enjoy. But enough about what's to come. 
let's get to what's good right now. Dominic Gabriel is a personality as well as a mental health advocate who you might know from Netflix's Perfect Match, The Mole, his viral TikToks, and he has a brand new podcast out called Dom Meets World, which you should definitely support. So grab a drink, come back and get relaxed, and we're going to go full speed ahead right after this. I am thrilled that StoryWorth is back as a sponsor of Lovers and Friends because I feel this product truly aligns with our values here. Hence why I've given it as a gift to multiple people and why I think I have found you the perfect Father's Day gift if you are on the hunt. So if you don't know, StoryWorth is a keepsake book of your loved one's life lessons that they write themselves by answering weekly prompts that StoryWorth sends to them. These questions inspire stories and gems that most of us wouldn't ever think to ask each other. Like, what were your next door neighbors like when you were a child? First of all, answer that in the comment section below. And what's something that you've built with your hands that you're really, really proud of? After one year, StoryWorth will compile your loved one's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. The book is going to be amazing, but the journey to writing it will also be a gift in itself. Give all dads in your life a unique, meaningful gift that you will cherish for years, StoryWorth. And right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash lovers. That is storyworth.com slash lovers to save $10 off your purchase. Story, W-O-R-T-H. Just want to make sure you heard that clearly. Let me ask you if you get these lookalikes. Stephen A. Smith. You get Stephen A. Smith? Yeah. Do you ever really? get that? I never get Stephen A. Smith. Do you ever get Ludacris? No, but I did become famous on TikTok because of Ludacris. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Back again. That's right. Luda. <laughs> I started watching The Perfect Match because of Georgia. Because I did Too Hot to Handle. And so both Harry and Georgia were on my seasons. And Georgia is like my fave. She's like my, she was my fave at the time. So I was like, oh, let me start watching this. And you quickly became the most interesting person on the show. Really? Oh, thank and you. I, I thought it was pretty boring. You cannot think like... that. There's no way you actually think that. I DM'd you after I watched the episode. I think I was watching it as it was coming out. After I watched the crying episode, mm-hmm. which I shouldn't call it that. but I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I thought it was fascinating. And I am incredibly interested to hear what your experience has been like after that show. I mean, it was a bit of like everything. It was like, I think immediately you kind of see the negative because even I was watching the episode and I was actually watching it like with Chloe and with Ines and some friends, stuff like that. And like, I couldn't even watch it because I was just like, I felt so, I was like, oh, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, because I'm watching it and I'm on Twitter and I see people like, stand up. Why are you crying over? Why are you doing this? Blah, blah, blah. You're such a little bitch. You're just that. And it was like, I'm watching, I'm like, ah, like, damn it. And I just saw the negative. And I think it's so much, so overwhelming at the time when the entire world is going through that with you. And then as time went on, it was like, then like a day or, you know, cause everything happens so quickly in the reality TV world, you start getting messages of people being like, yo, thank you for that. Or I appreciate that. Or, thank you for showing emotion and people relating to it. And then it's like, you start seeing a balance and start feeling better about it. But I'd be lying if I was like, oh, I didn't care. I'm sure you've gotten troll comments and you can get all the great, the nicest things, but you focus on like that one negative comment all the time. So, but 
at the moment it was very overwhelming. Have you ever seen someone cry the way that you did? I've never seen somebody. I don't watch a ton of reality TV to be in full transparency. I don't think I've ever seen a man cry the way that you did on those shows. I don't know. I've kind of always been somebody who like, I just wear my heart on my sleeve. And I think even more so recently in going on Perfect Match, because before that, I started going to therapy before going on that show, like probably about like a year and a half, two years before going on Perfect Match. So it was like, I was really at a point of like trying to learn more about myself and which is why like, you know, when I'm crying, I'm communicating why I'm crying and how I'm feeling. And, you know, I I didn't feel worthy. I felt insecure. And there was a lot of feelings happening at once and communicating that out loud. And then as I'm communicating it, it's hitting even deeper. You know what I'm saying? Like, as I'm like, I'm not holding it in, I'm saying it. So it's hitting even deeper. So it's like the tears start flowing even more. It's like the heartbreak hits, hits even more. You know what I mean? It was like, Oh, what were, we, what were we talking about? <laughs> I think wherever you're talking about is what we should be talking about. So it's interesting because as soon as you said those words, it made sense for me, like unworthy and insecure. Because admittedly, when I watched it, I'm like, you just met this girl like six days ago. You yeah. know, and I know how TVs works as well. Like I am a part of a reality show. So I know that the flow sometimes doesn't even lead to authentic connections because mm-hmm. everything is so micromanaged. It's a lot of sitting around and waiting. So unless that show is a very different experience, but it doesn't often flow as organically as it looks, which mm-hmm. I think would make it even more difficult to create a genuine connection with somebody. But was it about the loss of the relationship or what that scenario represented for you when it came to your deeper fears and insecurities? It was a lot all put together and I think Perfect Match was an interesting thing because the mole was very like micromanaged it was or it was very like you know go over here go back to your rooms here's your call sheet wake up at this time go on location whereas like Perfect Match was actually a lot of freedom oh it was a lot of like like when we got to the house and like we were just drinking and just vibing we were really just drinking and just vibing and then it was like go to bed you could really wake up kind of whenever, you know, whenever everybody woke up, then we got the day going. So it wasn't very much like there was a wake up call or get up, go over there. We can cook or get food whenever have we this wanted. conversation. It wasn't like go over there, have that conversation. Really. It was just like, we were having Nerf gun fights. Like, <laughs> like Mitch bought Nerf guns. We were just like running around. Like it was really just like, and it wasn't production being like, guys, we bought Nerf guns. Everybody for the next two minutes, pretend you're having fun. No, like Mitch brought them and we were, like having Nerf gun fights and it was just like, we were able to have fun and we were able to like really talk. So it's like when I was with Francesca, it was like, we were really together like all the time, like, like nonstop. There are things that obviously aren't shown to justify certain actions. And I would say like, I'm somebody I do love hard, but I don't love hard, like unwarranted. So I like, it's not like the feelings weren't reciprocated. It's not like, you know what I mean? Or as it was portrayed, it was like, and I say, like, with all due respect to Francesca and her relationship and stuff like that, but it's like, it, there was, like, it wasn't like I was just, like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, because the appearance was, bro, like, yeah. it wasn't that deep, it wasn't that long, it wasn't that intense, and your reaction didn't seem like it fit the dynamic. Yeah, it was a lot of, like, other people saying, like, oh, Dom, if you look at the footage you can see that dom just loves hard you know what i'm saying 
But then it was like on the flip side for other people saying stuff, they were like, but there's something you didn't see from me that to prove why I'm saying what I'm saying. I do love hard. That is a fact. I'll take accountability for that, but it's not unwarranted. It's not like if I don't hear something back, it's like, I'm not going to keep on saying those things. I'm not going to keep on telling you how much I value you if I don't receive that back. You know what I mean? So when it came to how I felt about that, it's like, I did really trust Francesca at that moment. You know what I mean? And it was like, everyone's like, Oh, you know, Damon's going to come in or this is going to happen. Like she said, you can trust me. I said, okay, I have no reason not to, you know? And we were together all the time. And on top of that, I was very insecure at the time. Like I was on perfect match with a bunch of people that were already established. They're already big names. I didn't feel worthy to be there. There was like imposter syndrome going into that show. I was like in debt, like a, like negative $400 because I quit my job through the mole. I filmed Perfect Match six months after. So I'm like in the hotel waiting to go to Panama with all these massive influencers. I'm nobody with no money. My friend Hanson sending me money to like pay my bills. So I'm walking in his house. I'm like, I thought I was going to be out the first day. Like I kid you, like you can like ask, I don't know if you know Zay, you could ask Zay, like we walked in there together. I'm in the car. I'm like, all right, I'm going to this day show. At least I'm tall and I got tattoos. And then here comes Zay, taller than me with more tattoos. And I'm like, I'm I'm out. <laughs> First night I'm out. Like I, it's not like if you watch the show, I didn't pursue anyone. You know, the first day I was like, I'm going home. I didn't feel worthy from the jump, imposter from the jump. Like, and that's how I felt my entire life. And that's why I started going to therapy. I started fe feeling better about stuff. And then I went on the show, and then it's like all that came rushing back. And then at that moment when I trust someone, and then that happened, it was like. It came rushing back even more and i felt like so like by myself and alone and why am i here like like i shouldn't be here like who am i kind of deal so that and then that move kind of just justified it in my head and that's where all that came from sorry i'm rambling so much <laughs> no i mean i think it's beautiful i think i'm having so many uh, ahas as i'm listening to you because now that I think about it, I'm very accustomed to seeing men act very emotionally when they feel unworthy and insecure and rejected. But I'm used to it being like, bitch, you're not cute anyways. Yeah. Like I'm mad. Aggressive. Yeah. I, it's aggressive. Yeah. So it's like that strong emotional reaction to all the feelings that you have. But instead of having the insight to go inward, it gets projected outward. And then yeah. they never actually address the fact that maybe they have felt unworthy and insecure for a very long time. So I actually would love to go back to then get to that point because in our chat we had briefly on the phone, you mentioned that you came from a home where you were always encouraged to be emotional, which yeah. I don't know other a lot of other men who can say the same thing. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing. So my, my dad left when I was very young. He left when I was two years old. So I was raised by my mom. I was raised by my mom, my grandmother. My grandpa was around also. He's working a lot. I was pretty much surrounded by women. Um, my mom, my grandma, my aunts, uh, my cousins were like, kind of like my sisters, you know? So you only child? I have a little brother, but we have like a far gap. He's like 10 years younger than me. So I, I grew up around like all women my entire life. And I think my mom was very like a mom and a dad. She was like, she was hard on me, but she also knew when I, when I would get angry, she'd be like, let it out. Like, what's what's on your mind? Just communicate just say it because I was always so like mm, and she'd be like just say it why are you angry it's like oh I'm so mad it's like cry are you sad yes it's okay 
it's okay, it's fine to be sad, you know? And she always kind of like communicated that with me growing up. So I was always like encouraged to, that it was okay to feel these things. And I think that's where that comes from. Was that something that you were bullied for growing up? Or did you have a difference of knowing like, okay, you can cry and express yourself at home, but at a school environment or did you play sports? Like this has to be packed away for that. Popping in for an ad break to confirm that, yes, I ordered myself another pillowcase with Blissey using my own code. And having the matching set is truly twice as nice. Blissey is an award-winning 100% mulberry silk pillowcase. It reduces frizz, tangles, and prevents breakage in the hair. And that is because it keeps the moisture in your hair and on your skin. Skincare products and natural moisture can stay on your skin. When you use cotton, for example, it literally absorbs it off your face. So you might be tempted to think that Blissey is an expensive pillowcase, but your affordable run-of-the-mill one has been eating all of your expensive skin creams and oils, leaving you dehydrated in the mornings. Plus, Blissey's pillowcase regulates temperatures, keeping you cool at night. It's also hypoallergenic and they're machine washable and durable. So they have a ton of different prints and colors and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. Men love them too and Jared can attest to that. They have over 1 million raving fans and you could be next. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com slash lovers and get an additional 30% off. That is B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash lovers and use the code lovers to get 30% off. Trust me, your skin and your hair will thank you. And if they don't, send it back in 60 days. Easy peasy. I would get bullied for like, I was always kind of like the weird emo skater kid, like painted my nails since I was like 10 years old. And, you know, I liked anime. You painted your nose? My nails. Okay. Yeah. My nails <laughs> since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. I also painted my nose probably at some point. But, um, you know, I was always kind of like the weird kind of like outsider kind of like kid. So like, I never really cared about what people thought about me in a sense. I mean, I did, but like, whatever, they're going to bully me anyway. So I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing kind of deal. So I was always kind of like the anime weird kid growing up but luckily I had a good friend group around me that you know they all supported me if I ever felt a certain way if anybody came at me all my friends had my back because that's what it was like we grew up together so I was always fortunate enough to have this like really strong support system behind me do you ever have like an instance do you remember ever crying publicly or having like a similar emotional outpouring as you did on that show prior to that experience um no, I don't think as like public, like I definitely like, I've, I've always been comfortable. Like I cry at like Pixar movies, you know? So it's like, I've gone on like dates with girls and like, you know, put on a Pixar movie or something like that. And I'm put on Big Hero 6 and, you know, his brother dies, spoiler alert. <laughs> and, and, you know, I start tearing up and I'm just like, yo, like, <laughs> I, like I've, I've always been fine with that. I think it was just, you know, with the show, it was just like, it was on such a big scale. The entire world saw that in a sense. So it's not just like, a room people saw it, it's like, okay, people are gonna forget about this, it's gonna be whatever. It's like, okay, I did that and it's gonna be, I, it was like the humiliation is gonna be there online for everyone to see ever. It's like, I still get people now like random tweets or DMs be like, yo, I just saw this episode. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, when is this gonna end? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, even back in the day when you cried during Big Hero 6, what was the reaction of like the person you were with to see that? I'm fascinated because I 
have not experienced that. And I have the unique, unique experience of talking to somebody who culturally grew up in a very similar setting to me. So it's not as if like, oh, you're from France. Yeah. Like we're from the same place. <laughs> yeah, literally and I've same never places. seen that before. So I don't know. Maybe like you can speak to it as a woman, but I've always found like with women, if I've cried for them or shown emotion, I don't think it's so much. It might be like the showing emotion of it, but it might be like, they see how comfortable I am with my emotions and like me just showing emotions. That's like, I'm okay with it. Like I can, I can cry, communicate and be done with it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to like get angry or hold it in and prolong a situation. Like if we have a issue, if I'm in a relationship and we have an issue, it's like I can communicate how I'm feeling, my disdain, why I'm upset, take accountability for something, cry about it communicate it and then be like all right we're i'm done with this like i'm good we can move on now and not like prolong anything and be like no I did, Lord, what happened last week was no i can communicate in the moment cry get it out move on just like on the show it was like i i cried i communicated it i took accountability myself i looked inside myself i understood why what happened happened and i said you know to francesca it's okay it's cool hope everything is great and then i moved on and I think that that's important is to like know how to rationalize your emotions maturely, responsibly and respectfully. And that's how you move on. You know, it sounds like that was something that was modeled by your mom very young. Yeah. My, my mom is literally like, she's like my sensei, you know, <laughs> like, she's like the Jedi master. Like she's definitely when it comes to like emotions and mental health it's like i can always talk to her and she just knows what to say you know she's like hey calm down take a couple breaths why why do you feel like this like what happened take it back is this going to affect you in 24 hours do you think so probably not right grieve about it or vent about it for 20 minutes take a break if it doesn't bother you as much move on keep going you know so she's just very knowledgeable when it comes to just emotional intelligence and she definitely kind of raised me that way so i wanted to get your reflections i know you didn't get a chance to listen to the entire episode but one of our biggest episodes on the podcast was around male vulnerability and i think the reason why it was so popular is it provided a perspective shift for people because culturally you're offering porn right now to a lot of <laughs> women listeners who are like yeah it's like <laughs> talk about it, cry. Like everything sounds amazing. And then I had a couple of other Canadians who are here who they work pretty exclusively. I think I wouldn't say exclusively, but they work predominantly with a male audience. And they were just saying, stop asking men to be open and vulnerable because the truth is you're only opening them up for more hurt. When a man shows his pain, people use that as a place to humiliate, to poke fun at him, to throw that back in his face. And so culturally we're not ready to have men be open and honest and vulnerable without it leading to more harm down the line. So I would love to hear your, like, you know, you listened to a little bit of that. What was your reaction as somebody who actually walks in and talks it? You mm. do share yourself openly. You do show your emotions openly. Do you ever regret it? And would you recommend that other men follow your path? Or are you like, I do it and trust me, it's hard. I don't know if everybody has the strength that I have to show my softer side. I think everybody processes their, their emotions differently. Obviously, we're all different. We're all complex individuals. But I think it's learning how to do that in a responsible way, in a mature way to yourself. I don't think that me showing my vulnerability is my weakness if I make my vulnerability my strength. I think it's like... Well, how do you do that? By owning it. 
it's a natural emotion to cry or be vulnerable. And it's like, if I'm vulnerable, how can you use that against me? Have you ever watched Eight Mile with Eminem? Mm -hmm. The final battle when he has to go first and he just insults himself the entire time. I am white. I am a fucking bum. I do live in a trailer with my mom. And the other guy has to go. And like, what does he say? If I show my emotions and I cry, like on the show, I cried. And I remember Chase was like, oh, he cried. Blah, blah, blah. You did this. And then I got crybaby tattooed on my, on the back of my neck. And it's like, yeah, I cried. Crybaby lover boy. I'm a cancer. Now what? Now you cry. You're a baby. And, <laughs> you know, okay. How do, where do we go from here? What do I do with that information? What do you want me to do? It happened. I cry. Now what? You're less of a man. Okay. Are you still going to keep talking? I'm going to go over here now. The person that uses that against you, that's on. That's their issue. If you make that your your strength, if you own that, no one can use that against you. Like, like for me, it's like I haven't found anyone that's able to use that against me. Like, obviously, it's like, you know, you look online and people say mean things, and it's like, oh, that kind of hurts a bit. But the minute I put my phone down and I walk away, I'm doing my. I'm living my life. I'm, I've moved on, or I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to keep going. And if you're in your home or if you're watching show and all you could think about is like, ah, this guy, this guy keeps crying. I got to, no, nah, I got to go online and tweet about how this guy's crying. It's like, that's, <laughs> that's a you problem that you have to fix. That has nothing to do with me. I'm over here. I'm, I've moved on. I'm doing this. If that affects you, you have to look inside yourself. I've already looked inside myself. I'm good. I know I cry. I know, I know I'm emotional, but I'm self-aware enough to like, I can be, I can cry, I can be emotional, I can be something, I communicate that, and I can move on. The women in my life, they understand that, they see that, and I think they respect that more than anything that I'm able to communicate that and move on and mind my business. I think that's the thing that they appreciate the most is that I'm, throughout all of this, I just mind my business. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like I'm not going back and forth with anyone. I'm, I know what happened, I owned it, I mind my business and I move on. I think that's like what, the woman in my life at least, really appreciate and find like i don't want to say like attractive because i'm not sexy i'm not i don't want to say sexy but i think it's like they like oh this is like that's positive masculinity i chose the word sexy because in that episode one of the guests on there actually later jd is his name Mm -hmm. and jd has a podcast that is called who can relate he goes to therapy he's very in touch with his emotions he has cried. I think he has cried on the internet before, but his whole thing is for men to be vulnerable. And so he has the tagline, vulnerability is the new sexy. Mm -hmm. And when I shared that with Abba and Preach, they were killing themselves (laughs) laughing first and foremost. And secondly, like that's actually the problem. Like trying to fetishize men's vulnerability is the issue. Yeah. I think that's, it's like, I'm not going to be like, oh, vulnerability is sexy or it's, I just think the woman in my life, because they're like people aren't going to use it against me. I think because that's what I heard from the clip of like, you know, women want men to be vulnerable, and then they're going to use that against you or turn that. That's like you're just opening yourself up as a weakness. It's like no, showing your vulnerability is like if you use your vulnerability as your strength to make you a better person. You shouldn't worry about how other people are going to use that. By me being vulnerable, by me being able to open up and communicate, I feel like that helps me. I feel like that helps me just as much as it might help someone else because one quote that I love is like, by staying silent, you're denying others the benefit of knowing they're not alone. So it's like by me being on the internet or doing TikToks and I'm live streaming and being like, hey, like, I'm not, I'm not doing good today. 
you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of feeling down, thinking about this. I don't know why I did this, made this decision. But everything's going to be okay tomorrow, you know? I'm going to do my best today to just take it easy and, and come back to it tomorrow. And I think that's, for me, it's like, that helps me because I'm communicating that out loud. And it's like, I'm not just holding that in and denying that those emotions or those feelings. I'm, I'll express them freely and then communicate that. And then other people will be like, yeah, that's how I feel too. Thank you for saying that. You know what I mean? I think that's the important part about being vulnerable is because if nobody's vulnerable, then everyone's just holding stuff inside. But the minute that someone opens up and they're vulnerable, then other people will be like, oh yeah, I relate to that. Like, I feel like that too. And then someone's like, oh yeah, I feel like that too. And it's like that feeling of when you're lost in the world and you feel like you're lost in the forest, it's less scary when you're lost in the forest. We know that other people are also lost in that forest. You know yes. what I mean? So for and if worse comes to worse, you can eat each other. Right. No, that's, <laughs> that's not where That's exactly going. what I was getting at. <laughs> cannibalism. That's what all this was coming to. Not cannibalism. Continue. <laughs> Yeah, I just, like, you know what I mean? Like, when you're in a forest and so it's like when you feel lost in the world, knowing that other people are also lost in the world makes you feel less lost. Yes. And I think that's the important part about having a public platform and being vulnerable and having these discussions. I don't think it's, like, not a manipulation tactic. Like, and I can speak that, op like, I do not date. Like, I do not. I'm not out here. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I just mind my business. I stay inside. I'm in L.A. now, but call my therapist every week. I mind my business. I don't date. I'm now here sleeping around. I'm just like, especially after the show came out, I was like, I just want to focus on myself and continue to grow and get better as an individual and as a person. Because I feel like I, I'm still very much flawed and I still have a lot of things I got to work on. Well, I believe that with within the right partnership and loving dynamics, that is a part of working on yourself too. Yeah. They don't have to be mutually exclusive things. Yeah, I just, I just think for me side branch off in the dating world I've been in a lot of long-term relationships and then immediately after my last long-term relationship going on a dating show and then having to deal with that with the entire world it's kind of like okay maybe I should take some time and know what I want next you know what I mean it's kind of like I went from like one extreme of like thinking oh this can be the person that I'm gonna marry to a hot new bombshell has entered the villa and <laughs> You win. Like, <laughs> did I really? Like, <laughs> so um, it's like, okay, let's kind of reel it back a little bit and like figure out the next step for Dom before bringing somebody else into that fold. You won. Did you really? That's, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what I tell everyone. Like, you're the winner. Uh, did I win though? Like, did anyone really win? <laughs> Does anyone really win a dating show? Well, do you feel like you won? As, you know, cheesy as it sounds, I feel like I won, like, for myself. I feel like everything that I went through and I had to deal with, I feel like the person that I was on that show was who I was, who I was. like, at the moment, I was very closed off. When I go through, when I went through, when I go through breakups, like, my immediate reaction is to run away. My last long-term relationship, my immediate reaction was, like, ironically, move away to Australia. Like, my best friend was like, you're going to go to Australia? I'm like, yeah, I don't even want to be in this country anymore. After, the, like, on the show, when, you know, Francesca left for Damien, my immediate reaction was, like, I'm leaving. I started packing my stuff. I'm, I'm leaving. And Ines had to, like, talk me, like, no, stay. Like, th that was my first, my initial reaction was, like, was flight. Not fight. It was, like, run. And I'm grateful for that show because it helped me. I had to confront my emotions. 
Oh my gosh, in the most extreme way in possible. In the most extreme. It's like, yeah, like in the most extreme way with the entire world watching. It was like all well, these. Not even that. I mean, think about it. If you wanted to leave Canada or Toronto because that person was in that city, now you're living in the house with that person while they're making out with other people. Like all of your worst fears it, compile together. Exactly. It was like all these years of you running away, it was like the universe being like, all these years of you running away. Look at it. <laughs> look at sit it now. Sit here and look. Yeah, sit here and look at it right now. So I am grateful for that because I had to confront my emotions, which I, which at the time I, I wasn't really doing. And I real, I thought I was doing it, but I, at that moment I really wasn't doing it. So I had to confront myself and my emotions and confront my past in a sense and learn how to adjust and move on and find myself. And I feel like I did that on that show. And I feel like I've grown from that show. I feel like the people that you're with aren't always the one, but they're they're the person that makes you a better person for the one. And I feel like, you know, I have the utmost respect for Francesca, for Georgia. I feel like, you know, I wish them nothing but the best. And I'm grateful for the experience that I have for both of them because I feel like those experiences forced me to look inside myself to figure out what I want and who I want to become for myself moving forward. And I think it made me a better person. I guess even in reflection, well, thank you for sharing that. It was beautifully said of you having the mantra, you have the emotions, you feel the emotions, you let it out, you cry about it, you move on. Yeah. And you literally couldn't move on. I mean, you yeah. could <laughs> yeah. because you were able to move on to other romantic partners and you were able to you know, move on from that heartbreak, but you still had to sit and watch that person connect with other people. You still had to sit with your emotions and work through them in that way. And what surprised you about that experience? Because that was new for you. It was new for me because usually, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this after you go through a breakup, it's kind of like, do you still be friends with an ex? Do you just cut them off completely? Is it like clean slate? And usually I'm just like clean slate. I'm like, I want, I'm done with you. I want nothing to do with you. We're done. You're an ex for a reason. Move on. And I used to think that was like how you're supposed to do it. But again, that was just me running away. That was just me I did not wanting to confront things. And I think you know, doing that and having to still be in the house and it forced me to confront those emotions. And it's like now after going through that, it's like even after all that, it's like I'm still I'm friends with Francesca. I met her now. Congratulations, Francesca and Jesse. Her now fiance, Jesse, became great friends with him, sat down. We talked about everything. She apologized. I, you know, we communicated everything. And I was like, all right, we can move on now. We can move on and we can still be friends and and I realized that I was in the past and mistakes were made and things happened for certain reasons and now we can move on. And I'm like, oh, I can continue to do this with other relationships in my life. You know, I can open up and I can reach out to an ex and be like, hey, sorry about this and whatever and I wish you the best and, and, that, and I can confront that and then move on. So I think the show did help me do that. Did you and Georgia get to do that too? No. No, no. Eventually. I'm just like, I just laugh as a defense mechanism. <laughs> That's my coping mechanism is laughter. But um, no, we have not. What are you coping with? Just awkward. Like, that's just like awkward. But no, I mean, that whole situation, um, I think it's, it's so far gone now. Like ever since it's like been over a year since it even originally happened. It didn't have to happen with the entire world in a sense, you know what I mean? I think that was something that like, it didn't happen on camera and I was trying my, I wanted to try my best to not talk about that. You know what I mean? And I wanted that to kind of just like be something 
that just kind of like went away, you know, and unfortunately it didn't. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and by turning to therapy, you too can find more balance in your life. Whether you want to explore your personality, values, or goals, or work through challenges that are keeping you from becoming your best self, BetterHelp can help you get there. Here's how it works. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist or counselor within two days of signing up. It is therapy done entirely suited to your schedule and they have financial aid to meet you where you're at so you can get where you wanna go. I am a firm believer that therapy is not one size fits all and thankfully so is BetterHelp. You can change counselors at no cost at any time and you can also choose to end therapy when you feel like that course is done. If you feel like right now is the right time to start though, I'm talking to you right now. You can get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp by going to betterhelp.com dot com slash lovers that is better h-e-l-p dot com slash lovers for 10 percent off your first month of professional therapy with better help also you have to take into account like the relationships that you are seeing are reality tv relationships you know what i mean it's like it's relationships that happen in a house everyone's from different places and i'm sure you know being on a show is like everything happens so fast emotions are turned up to like 12, every conversation is turned to 12 because like there's no distractions. That's all you're doing is just talking. So it's like everything holds so much weight that you say. And then going back to real life is like, oh, now I have my phone back, <laughs> my, my job back, music, distractions, friends, going out, going out to dinner, food, go shopping, errands, responsibilities, family, everything just comes rushing back. It's hard to like, maintain that sort of like isolation that you had when you originally met this person. So it does become difficult afterwards for any relationship. I mean, that's why like there were no relationships that came out of perfect match, but I would say like, I'm the same way with all my other relationships and I've only been in long-term relationships. It's like, and I think it's because of that, because with my ex, it was like the first couple of dates we went on, we were able to be vulnerable with each other and break down those walls immediately and build our relationship up from that with no walls built up. It was like, now we can build from here and we can grow from here. And that was a healthy, fruitful, three-year-long relationship that I like, truly she made me a better person. And I and I hope and I, I hope and I pray that, you know, I helped her become even half better as a human as she did for me, you know? And I think that's a beautiful way that I take my relationships that everybody that I've been with, I've been able to be vulnerable with, open up with, communicate all our emotions together. And every relationship has been has been long, healthy, fruitful. Obviously, sometimes time just expires. People want different things. People move, whatever like that. But they've all they've all been truly great relationships. So I, I feel like for men watching that saw like that side of it, it's like you have to also take into effect that these are reality TV show settings in the real world. Being vulnerable and opening up and having that sort of emotional intimacy with your partner only helps like prolong that relationship because it's like immediately it's like we're connected. Like when I was with my ex and we'd be out somewhere and it was like you just have that sort of connection where it's like we don't have to talk when we're out. It's like I could just look at you but yeah, she want to go. Like, <laughs> you know, like she want to head out of here or, you know, sitting down and it's like I already know what she want to eat. Like or, you know, I know when she's upset. I know exactly what to do before she even says anything. She knows exactly what to do before. She knows like, I don't. Even, she doesn't even have to be like, "What's wrong?" Because I'm already just going to communicate what's wrong. 
You know what I mean? I think that's like a beautiful, healthy thing. I was saying that in the episode as well, that their thing was that when you show somebody your vulnerabilities, you're revealing the weakness in your castle. Like, here's where you can attack me. But I'm like, you're also revealing the roadmap to how to love you. That's it. <laughs> that was fucking, that was fucking good. Okay. <laughs> that was good. That was a bar. Like, I might use that. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, you are like, by letting someone know your vulnerabilities and, and you are letting them know like, okay, how do we solve this? How do we not solve this, but how do we work with this? You know what I mean? How can I help? That's how you, that's how your partner should be. It's like, okay, this is how you feel. Like, how can I help? Where do we go from here? That's how I've always looked at it. Where it's like, if you are vulnerable with me and you confess something to me or communicate something to me, I'll be like, okay. My first instinct is like, okay, how do we move? How do you move from here? How can I help? What can I do? And that's a healthy relationship. Not, I'm not thinking, how can I use this against them? Like, <laughs> probably shouldn't be with that person. <laughs> yeah, and I was saying that it's also a potential weed out test. Right. Like if I give you sensitive information or I show a sensitive side of myself and I see you weaponize that down the line, like, OK, well, now I know that I should never do it again with you. And we probably don't have a future together. Yeah. So it's an opportunity to be like, OK, now how I can see that we're not a fit a lot sooner than I would have if I stayed guarded for months on end. Yeah. And I think that's that's like a dangerous way to look at relationships as well, because like if you keep if you are consistently guarded in relationships, it's like, how are you ever going to like. Like. You, the person you're around, you should feel safe around. If you're constantly guarded, you don't even feel safe around this person, truthfully. Like, the woman that I have in my life is, like, I appreciate having them because, like, they felt they were my peace. I could open up to them. And when the world around me felt like it was crumbling, I knew that this person was my peace. And I feel like, you know, that's how you should feel in a relationship when, like, you, you're out all day and you know you're going to see this person. And you know for the moment I see this person... They understand me. I'll be able to communicate my emotions. I can let my guard down around that person and I can breathe. Most people are not relating to you right now. <laughs> I'm going to say that. It could be a wrong estimate, but from the conversations I've had, they're watching this being like, how can I send this to my partner in a way that's not passive aggressive? Why is this uncommon when it feels like a no brainer? This has just been so ingrained into me from like, you know, growing up is like to just lead with love always. Like, I guess you have the unique experience though, because all the fears that people have, particularly men have around being vulnerable, I feel like you had to have experienced firsthand. Yeah. Like I'm going to be demasculated. I'm going to be made fun of. I am going to be looked down upon by their men. Women are going to look at me like not as strong. I'm going to be looked at like, my penis isn't as big. Every fear that they have in the world, you probably experienced because you saw all the social reactions to it. Yeah. So having gone through what you did and coming out on the other side, do you have more empathy for why men are not as open? Or do you feel like, okay, I experienced all that. It wasn't as bad. So guys, come on in. It's not that bad on the other side. Like any room or any person I've talked to has been like, oh, you're like Dennis Rodman. You know what I mean? Your aura gives off Dennis Rodman because like, Growing up, I was, like I said, I was always a weird kid. I was the emotional kid, but I've also, like, been boxing since I was nine. When I was 10 years old, my dad didn't pick me up from school one day when he said he was going to pick me up. Tried to come back. I saw my mom crying. He tried to apologize, and I basically told him, I never want to see him again. I'll take care of my mom. So it's like, 
like, and then it was like, I always took care of my little cousins. If my little cousins ever got into an issue or whatever like that, or, or a guy was picking on them, like I, I'd, I'd be there in 2.6 milliseconds ready to fight. You know what I mean? Like, like I was always the person that was like, I could, I could cry. I could be emotional, but I always, I always held mine down. I always held down the people that were around me. It was like, I was never scared. I always led with love first. But I always held down the people in my life. And I think the men in my life do that as well. They've been emotional. And, like, my uncle wears his heart on his sleeve as well. But he, but he he's held me down. And I think that's a unique way to look at stuff where it's like I've never had a man say something to my face about me being emotional or me crying or me doing that. Because, like, yeah, I'm emotional, but I'm not just going to let you, like, just talk crazy in my face at the same time. I, I could look you in the face and be like, yeah, I'm a crybaby. Yeah, I cry. And what? I've, I've, been, I've been fighting my whole life. I'm not scared of shit. And I think more than anything, men respect that. And I think then that opens up the door of like, okay, I can I can also be emotional and I can also be vulnerable. For example, it's like I had depression for a long time. I didn't even know I had depression for a long time. And because I was so comfortable in the negativity of like, you know, disliking myself who I was as a person and, and, or the way that I thought was just like that a lot of like not really self-confident. And I was always thinking the negative and I was always down and it wasn't until I wanted to get better because I didn't want to get better. And it was only until I wanted to get better and I, and I sought out therapy and started talking to people. And, and that's when I started truly opening up. Like you have to want it. Like I can tell people be like, Oh yeah, come over here, come over this side, whatever you want. But until, but like until you want to, you know what I mean? It's not going to mean nothing. I could drag you over here and like, like cry right now. It's not going to mean anything unless like you're doing it for you. Like you fight, you figure that out on your own. So I think like I just use the best way to do it is like to lead with love and lead as an example. And I think I'm an example of somebody who like I can be emotional. I can be emotional. I can be sensitive. I can cry. I can be romantic. But at the same time, it's like I've been boxing since I was nine. I've been in fights. I've been stabbed. Like somebody has to go over that hill and take those those stray shots and then come back and be like, I it's not that bad over here, guys. Like that's that's kind of what it is. It's like Dennis Rodman kind of had to go over that hill early in the nineties and like wear a dress and and get the nose rings and the tattoos and dye his hair to come back over and be like, All right guys, it's all good. You know what I mean? And then you get the ASAP Rockies that come over and you see him at the Met Gala wearing a skirt. This, that, and you get the Harry Styles and the Kid Cuddies. Somebody has to go over that hill and and push those boundaries, those boundaries, push those norms, and then come back over for everybody else to be like, all right, we good? We can do that? I right, bet I'm coming over too, <laughs> you know? Like, somebody has to be that person, and I'm not saying, like, like I'm that person, but, like, that's just what I do. What are you going to tell me next that I can't do? I can do, I can do whatever I want to do. I can't wear a dress. Check my Instagram. I wore a dress. Like, and what? I think you can call yourself that. I genuinely believe that was a culturally shifting moment. And kind of speaking to when you were talking about Georgia and the lack of res resolution there and you laugh, you said it's an awkward laugh. Every dude that I saw react to your clip or people in my life who watched it killed themselves laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if it's the similar response. Like, I don't know what to do with the feelings of seeing, I've never seen my dad do this. I've never seen my uncle. I've never seen my best friend cry like this. 
and I, watching it makes me really uncomfortable. And that's the reaction. Do you think that there's some truth in that? Yeah, I think there is. And I think like, it could be that like, you just haven't seen it before, you know? And I think like you saying that right now, I'm thinking to myself, like, when did I ever see one of my like father figures cry? Like I've never seen my grandpa cry. I've never seen like my uncles cry. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I've never seen my dad cry. You know what I mean? Yeah, so even I'm thinking to myself, like, I guess I've never really even seen that. Thank you so much to Dom for this perspective-shifting conversation. After the talk that we had on episode four of Lovers and Friends about male vulnerability, I think this was the perfect follow-up in an indirect way for us to acknowledge that, yes, it is difficult for men to be vulnerable and open about their emotions, but when they do, it's not as scary on the other side as you might think. And even if it is, that just informs you that that's not a safe space and allows you to seek out better spaces and better relationships a lot sooner than if you stayed guarded. And I think, I hope that's the moral of the story. But if you want to continue to hear it from Dom himself, who did an incredible job, I highly, highly recommend his new podcast, Dom Meets World, where he's going to be going there when it comes to relationships. Follow his Instagram, follow his TikTok. And once again, thank you so much for coming through. Up next, I am, I'm not in this segment, so... I'll see you in a little bit, but I thought it would be very impactful for a group of men to talk without, you know, having a woman's gaze there where they felt the need to tailor their responses to appease my applause. Instead, just have an unfiltered dialogue around how they felt and what they heard listening to that interview. And yeah, let's get into that right after this. When I was younger, I dreamt of having a personal chef who could make healthy eating delicious and more importantly, consistent because my one good meal a week or every two weeks was not offsetting the days of quick and dirty dinners. So truly, this is why HelloFresh, when I heard about it in 2020, became a dream come true for me. Their quick and easy meals make feeding the family a cinch and without the high price tag. Their new fast and fresh options are ready in just 15 minutes or less. No more scouring the grocery store for that one ingredient to complete your recipe. HelloFresh takes away all that hassle by delivering fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients so you have exactly what you need. And it helps you cut down on food waste. My family is really into it and we're about to try this Parmesan chive chicken and potatoes. Very hype. What will you try? Oh, and fun fact, every plate is now owned by HelloFresh and with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there is something for everyone. I love switching between the brands and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a huge discount just for listening to this podcast. So go to hellofresh.com slash lovers16 and use the promo code lovers16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. There is a reason why HelloFresh is America and my daughter Ryu's number one meal kit. So go and try it for yourself. Go to hellofresh.com slash lovers16 and use lovers16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. All right, just first response, first response, first response. What what, what does that clip make you feel? For, uh, bad for the guy, man. sorry for him, for sure. Like for you to cry like that, because nobody wants to cry on camera. But like to be with the 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 heavy breaths, yeah, and then like asking questions like why is it raining like that that's a that's a different type of crying right there. And it, it, and it looks like the man has some libations as well, so that doesn't that doesn't help 
He had a drink, okay. so like that that also doesn't help your emotional state. I, I feel bad for him, man. That's rough. So, so there's so That's many rough. layers that I feel when I watch it. I, I do think it's funny. There, that is that is a part of it, but not be, and it's wrong. But it's there's a reaction that I get even the first time I watch that clip. It made you uncomfortable. Well, they edited. They did a hell of an edit on <laughs> wait, that. But wait, they this just is jumped the, right into him. The this, reason why, like, the reason why it, it comes off funny to me first is because I have been there, and so yeah. I know the feeling that I feel, and I know the ridiculous things that I did, and the crazy cries that I had from a girl leaving me, um, and I know what that feels like. And when I look back on myself, then I laugh at myself too. But at the Can't end of the day, it's like we're not used to seeing men cry that hard. I didn't even see my dad cry at his mom's funeral as a kid. And if he mm. did, he didn't let me see it. Mm. I'm sure he cried, but I didn't see it when I was yeah. a kid. I think there's a lot of men who have been in his shoes, but they don't even they they won't express it like that. They won't they won't let it come out like that. So he could be he could be representing a lot of men who need that yeah. representation. Wouldn't let that shit happen to me though. Would you expose and be that vulnerable on camera? Bro, I can't even cry to be honest. Damn. Which is what? <laughs> That's heavy, bro. No, it's really weird, bro. I, I was honestly um, trying to figure out what that is, bro. I, I can't even cry, bro. Like, when I'm heartbroken. When When's the last I'm time you said when I'm sad? When's the last time thing, you were like, sad enough to cry? The only thing I can cry, really, like, if it brings me there enough, is, like, if I'm mad, I guess. Do you think crying is is a like sign I'm, of weakness? It, uh, Yeah, of course it is. Like, but, but why do you think crying is weakness? Why is it weak? I don't know, bro. It's just weak to me. I think most people associate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like if I seen a dude over here on the street crying, I'd be like, yeah. "Nigga, why is you crying? Pick your head up and keep but, going." But you don't know I mean, what it's, a, it's a you fair association though, because you can assume that if somebody's crying, they're hurt, and then if you're hurt, again, you're, these are you know broad assumptions, but it's like if you're hurt, then you must have had something attack or you know injure you so that must not have been strong enough or wherever this injury occurred maybe you weren't strong enough there to where you could be hurt i think it takes a lot for someone to sit there and tap into those depths of emotion to bring you to tears it's one thing to talk about something whether it's in gossip you know mm. format or it's it's you know yeah exactly and i was saying the same thing like to just piggyback off of other people but it's another thing to sit there feel the feels of your your eyes literally watering up Letting it out, whether it's a flow like Dom's or it's a flow, however your flow is, to let it out in front of someone who either A, hurts you or who can help you get through this time. I think that's, that's very admirable. I think it's brave as hell. Me letting my emotions out that, you know, raw mm -hmm. is a sign of bravery and is a sign of strength. Um, and, the, and the reason why it is strength is because I'm willing to show you these sides of right, me. Right. I would not be able to bring myself to that moment of crying. On camera. I know me. I wouldn't be able mm. to do it. Mm. I would open up that that vulnerable with somebody really close to me. Sometimes I don't even have to be talking about it. If I'm feeling something and someone hugs me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a long hug. Let me let me out. Let it it's out. You know hug, what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. So you know, he was talking about how, um, as he was saying what he was feeling, mm -hmm. it was starting to hit deeper. He sounds very intelligent. I will mm -hmm. say that because I. I don't necessarily agree with what either one of y'all's take is on crying as far as like when is it like I don't I think it's a very personal thing right I don't think it shows for me it's kind of vulnerability 2.0 I don't think it is showing I don't think crying shows strength but I think it takes strength to be willing to cry in front of people I think it does take strength to be 
vulnerable with somebody, I don't think that those are things that are showing inherently strength, right? If I see somebody crying, I'm not thinking they're strong. Um, at the same time, like, I don't necessarily think that I always want to hide and have these emotions to myself. I think sometimes it can be good to have them out in public. May not public, but outside, you know what I mean? Like, I probably wouldn't boohoo cry on TV, though. All right, so maybe I do agree with Jerry. <laughs> Anyhow, either way, what I'm getting at, I think that what he said is so so true. Like anything that you're receiving from anybody, like all these, you're you're a bitch, or you're less of a man, or like you know, it's it's yeah. weakness. That's all coming from me or from X Y Z. As soon as you put your phone down, how it's over with. You know, it's kind of like when we talked about people bullying people online or whatever. Put your phone down. Mm-hmm. Walk away and deal with yourself. And if you're happy with yourself, if you're good with yourself, crying on TV or whatever is not that big a deal to you because you know who you are. You know what you're about. So regardless of what the outside world thinks and tries to project onto you, you know that that's just their shit. Now, if you're insecure and, you know, you don't have that healthy mindset, maybe don't cry on TV because you're not going to be able to deal with the blowback that comes from it. You know what I mean? Or don't cry to somebody that you don't know if you can deal with how they're going to receive it because they're going to receive it in their way. We're going to all receive things in our way. So you have to be confident in what you're doing to be able to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good for him, man. If you want to cry on TV and you got that mindset, cry away, my boy. Just know that people are going to receive it how they want. Just know the homies is not going to let that one go. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the great thing about what he said is, like, it doesn't it's matter. It doesn't, it's it's, it's what you yeah, think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as you have that mindset, it's like, bro, you, that's a powerful mindset to have. You can do whatever you want in this life with that type of mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's it's the mindset that I think everybody should say. I think every dude can relate to the feelings that he felt. Just like what you were saying. They might not express it in that way, but right. everybody feels what he felt. Yeah. I think we need to stop with the lie that like yeah. men don't get emotional. Yeah, yeah. and like, they don't like, feel or they don't hurt or bro, they're not sad. I, I, I know I've been in situated in relationships where I'm an emotional fucking wreck. Yeah, I've seen my homeboys be emotional. Like all this, like oh well, dudes don't like we're supposed to be strong and we ain't supposed to move like this. I mean, man, look, people move how people yeah. move, and that's what it really comes down to. Like, yeah. it sure, it sounds all well and good that you know men should be. Whatever the stereotypes are, but the fact of the matter is, men really haven't ever been that. Right. Like, I, maybe, maybe 70, 80 years ago when they didn't have a choice but to be that, but the last. But they, they might have been it just in private. Maybe. I, I just don't see it. Like, you're going to cry in the car. <laughs> but yeah. I remember one time I was going to bring this up. I remember the first time my wife ever heard me say, You hurt my feelings. She looked like she saw a ghost. I, I said, You hurt my feelings. And she was like, Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I have ever, those. <laughs> I said, have you ever heard a man say, you hurt my feelings before? She's like, no. Damn. I've, I've never heard yeah. that before. Friend. That's crazy. I don't think so, I've ever said that. But have your feelings been hurt? Yes, they have been hurt. I was going to say, I'm we about just, say, don't, come on, come we about on, to go man. down this again. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> but they, they, they you, I guess my feelings get more so annoyed than hurt, though. No, but, yeah, but my feelings are hurt. Regardless if they're before, hurt or annoyed, yeah. you you react and you move accordingly to how you are yeah. perceiving or you know receiving you, you, that. You experience, go into protection mode, yeah. which, which is fine. As as you as you, you got to be use your discernment with who you share your feelings with, of course. But you know, men are quick to go into protection mode. Men are quick to go into. I mean, it, it ain't that bad. But if it is, it's okay. It's that bad. Yeah. It's it's okay if it's that bad. If it's okay, if it if it's your whole world came to an end, it's that's okay. Yeah. I do think though he is a little bit, just a tad bit too emotional and too nice. Why you think that? 
I mean, he obviously couldn't bag two of the baddest girls on the show. I think it's because he's too nice, though. No, because... I, I, I hear what you're I saying. do think yeah. he's too nice of a guy. Hey, that's though. fair. I and mean, I think some guys that are yeah. in their emotions like that, tapped in, I think they're just too nice of guys. I, no. Maybe not well, too nice of guys, but fair? I shouldn't say no. Huh? You don't think that's fair? That's a fair I think it's fair, fair to, to expect that the majority of people are not going to have the mindset of a guy crying like that on TV. It makes is, them uncomfortable. Okay. It makes yeah. most people yeah. uncomfortable. Most yeah. people I, I, see that and they're like, yeah. initially, my reaction, I thought you were going somewhere else. But then don't do that. But no, I think I think to your point. Again, if it makes what's her name, Francesca? Oh uh, yeah. Maybe she needs a more masculine man, uh, a, a less a man who's less in tune with his feelings and his emotions. Maybe. Or maybe just someone that's less demonstrative with their emotions. Yeah. To your point, the consensus that I've seen that women had that watched him cry liked it. They liked him crying. Yeah. Right? That's they what I'm saying. It. So it has nothing to do with the way Francesca. Yeah. I, I personally think, and I don't watch the but show. But haven't you always heard this? Women always say what they like, bro. But it's not what they like. They always, say, they always say they want a nice no, guy. True. They want a guy that to do true. this. They got to do saying. that. But what happens? Like you start say, doing all they, those things. They'll tweet and, and they'll they get start. on Instagram and say, yeah, I want a guy like Dom that's in tune. But then when and Dom's then in front of them. Actually I personally Dom, think Francesca like, ah. went back to Damien mm. because it's safety and comfort. I grew up very similar to, to the way he grew up. But on top of that, I was also in a household that was like, if my reaction was too big, mm. it would have to be settled before we continued the conversation. Mm. And so I learned that, like, in order to have these really tough emotional conversations, yeah. you got to cry it out with a select group of people and go to the person that stimulated the hurt once you have been able to articulate it in a calm manner because yeah. nothing, no good conversation comes out of those cries. Yeah, those are just true. feelings, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I have been taught to like go through those emotions, definitely have someone to bounce off with so you don't go off the deep end. But then when you do go to have those conversations with women that, you know, that they want and they desire, it's still a little bit controlled. You can articulate exactly what you feel right. and not in mm -hmm. an emotional state. Yep. I personally think that those are better ways to do it. Yep. And do I think it's weak or bad that, that you let them out just whenever you're feeling them? No, I think it's healthy. I think it's good. But I just think to have an optimal conversation, I never have optimal conversations in that emotional state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Personally. It's too raw. Yeah. yeah, I don't think most processed. people get that that toolbox at that at, you yeah. know, at a young age, and that's no. that's just across the board. Like, I don't think yeah. people just we think of all types of you know training and education, but I don't think growing up people are like, well, let me emotionally train my kids. Yeah, like I couldn't. I, you're the first person I know that was like, yeah, when I was growing up, my parents would like or my dad would ask yeah. me why yeah. I was feeling a certain way and like explore that with me. To my husband Jared Brady to my play husband Los, to my Esther Perel co-crush JD and my brother-in-law Cray. Thank you so much for that honest and eye-opening dialogue. They actually did another segment to close out another episode and that conversation got so heated. And I think it really speaks to the strength of me not being there because they really said some wild shit. Um, so I'm grateful on this one that you didn't, you kept it tame and you kept it civil, but also extremely honest. And so if you want more of that and you want more of them, go down to the show notes or the info box and click their links. Listen to Jared's music, obviously. Listen to JD's podcast and then follow Los and follow Cray on Instagram and TikTok, I think. All right. Now for the section that I said was brand new. This is my conversation starter pack. 
at the end of the episode. I totally wish that I like came up with a better title for this or something more meaningful. I called it a new segment, but it's really just me providing you with some food for thought questions to bring into your group chats or onto your pillow talk. So here is your conversation starter pack. What is masculinity? Is it something that you have or something you have to earn and maintain? Is it a turn off to see a man cry or is it a turn on? And aren't both of those responses equally as strange? And what is the healthier alternative? Next, is crying a useful expression regardless of gender? Like Jared said, should we all attempt to control it because it can be likened to losing your temper? And finally, how do we create an environment where people tasked with proving their masculinity don't feel like they have to keep up the audition in front of us? And that is your conversation starter pack for this episode. Now it's time for my favorite unofficial segment, The Peer Pressure, where I tell you to rate and review the podcast and I read other people who have done it and I applaud them in hopes that you'll feel guilty because you didn't do it. It's like what I do with my kids. I'm like, look at your sister. She finished her dinner because I want to guilt the other one into eating her food too. Now you know my secrets. Okay, so sat wrote no as 82 said missing you like a toxic ex i love this i didn't realize how much i love the show until you took a break i keep coming back to see this new episode like um your ex-boyfriend text threads enjoy your break but i need you back oh as you guys can hear i'm sick again this is getting wild at this point but we're working on it the kids are going to a brand new daycare not that that's not true I'll explain this in a different, we have a whole new configuration coming up because it's not been sustainable. How often I've gotten sick, which has pushed me behind on work. So I took a break really and truly because I needed to try to play catch up and come up for air. But the real truth is, is that we got ahead and the episode that we had slated to release this week, the guest pulled out, which inside baseball tea that happens quite a bit here where people have what, um, the on stages, Kev on stage and Melissa on stage referred to as vulnerability hangovers. People come and they share and we have a great time. And then a week later, their PR person writes and says, do not air it. And that happened with this episode. We had completed the whole thing, started unventing at this point. It was very annoying, um, but it happens. So we took a break to try to get ahead and we're still not ahead, but at least we tried. Anyways, someone said listening for years. We've only been around for like a year and some change. So I like that. Shanna's been pivotal, pivotal, bitch, pivotal in my sex education, love and self-authentication. I left the cult of extreme religion. Oh my gosh. From her single days to her married to now as a mom, she's been monumental in exploring me. Love that. I love that. All I care about is that you get something from this, is that you think about you. I tried to make content that is clickable and shareable and interesting but the last thing that i want is for the salaciousness of the con- content content i'm gonna stop speaking soon because it's not going well the salaciousness of the content to overshadow the fact that i want you to see yourself in it and i want you to find reflections and jump off points for you so thank you for that i think this episode did a beautiful job of that that is how you rate and review by the way you that's just an example that was a compliment i think that this dom episode was a good example of how to look inward to do better outward. Just wrote one for you. All right, last one I'm going to read is Mr. Casey Johnson. I love listening to Shan's perspectives on love and everything else in between. That means a lot. I have a very difficult time 
acquiring a male audience and the male audience that is very vocal, who I do acquire, tends to be very negative. So it's very helpful when men write in to say that these are perspectives that they're enjoying as well. But I'm happy with everybody, anybody and everybody who's ever shown up for me, Jenna and Bling Bombshell and Fancy and Ta, um, thank you so much. And Tozy, all of you, just deeply appreciated. That's the end of the episode. We'll see you next week. No, thank you so much for having me. It feels like, and and again, like I just want to like be like, as a host of a podcast, I think you're absolutely phenomenal. I love like, thank you for allowing me to just like talk and just like ramble and like fully convey my thoughts and being so patient with me. Um, and yeah, you have such a comfortable setup. This is so tranquil. The birds chirping and everything. It's like so nice. You have a beautiful home. Thank you for letting me in here and and yeah, just kicking it with you. That's how you rate and review a podcast, people. <laughs> Shit. Great job. Thanks. Lovers and friends. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment Shan Boudram. It is produced by Shan and Crazy Cruz with production support from Two West Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and engineering on all of our episodes. Lovers and Friends is powered by Audio Boom and made possible by our incredible sponsors, who you can show some love to by reading the show notes. Thank you and see you next week.